right, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to today's episode of Reconnecting to the Artist Within. I am your host, Mike Murray, and it is my goal with these podcasts to inspire you to crack open your creative vision and unleash it on the world. So today I'm really excited to bring on my new friend, MK Williams. MK went from a job in marketing. She was working for a really high-end brand that she, you know, she actually got a lot of, you know, street cred for working with this brand and she knew that it didn't make her happy. And so now MK is working on her eighth book. She has released seven books and she also helps authors publish their own books. So for anyone out there listening today who might be, you know, an aspiring author or you have your book and you're looking to get it out and you're looking for some help, I know that you can connect with MK. We're going to share her information towards the end of the episode. So make sure you check that out. Give her a follow on social media. And uh, yeah, without further ado, let's jump right into the interview. All right. Well, welcome everyone to today's interview. And today we have... MK. And MK, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and give us sort of the overview of where you were and where you are now, and then we'll dig more into your story. Yeah, yeah. So my name is MK Williams. I'm an author and independent publisher uh, now, but previously I worked in digital marketing for a major sports brand. Um, So I was living that that corporate life. um, And then I left it to run my own business and be a struggling artist. (laughs) So that's, that's the high level. And it's totally worth it, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think the first day that I was like, okay, that first Monday of like, my job is now just to create more books. I, that morning, I was just like, oh no, what did I do? But ever since then, I've been fine. Um, it's been great. And I don't think I would ever want to go back. So I, I love it. Amazing. That's awesome. I love mm-hmm. hearing that. So yeah. what I'd love to hear about is, to start with, is your childhood. I'm curious, were mm-hmm. you a creative person as a child? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I was an only child. So I had to like fill the hours, you know, just entertaining myself, you know, playing, um, making up stories, reading. Um, I was a big nerd. So I read a lot of books. Um, my mom was also big into reading. So she definitely encouraged that. And I wonder if it made her job as a mom a bit easier because I would just sit there quietly and read. <laughs> and, you know, I definitely went through my angsty poetry phase as a teenager um, where I had so many feelings. So I had to just write my poems. Um, so I was always into reading and writing and, and expressing that creativity that way. Um, but I found that, you know, when I would submit, you know, like the papers for school, um, you know, I would get dinged on, you know, not having perfect grammar, not having perfect, you know, sentence structure. And so that kind of uh, made me feel like I couldn't be a writer, even though that's something I was dreaming of doing. So I was, wow. I was a dreamer as a kid, but I was, you know, was knocked down a couple of times. <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing how those events shape who you become mm-hmm. or, or yeah. almost undo who you are temporarily in this case, you know, and discourage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, I had great teachers, right? And I was learning the things that I needed to learn. It was just this feeling that like I couldn't 
state that I wanted to be a writer. I couldn't put on a college application to be an English major, um, one, because I was told I would never make any money doing that. Um, and two, because, you know, I thought the authorities, these unknown, unnamed, faceless authorities would be like, no, you aren't good at grammar. You cannot major in English. Um, and so I, you know, I majored in economics. I was also good at math. I'm, I tell people I'm a nerd on, on all the spectrums. Um, I'm a book nerd. I'm a math nerd. Um, so I went with economics because I was like, you know what, that's, I'm good at math and that seems practical. Um, but I still was able to take, thankfully, some creative writing electives. So I was very lucky to go to a school that had that option. Um, I know some schools are much more rigid where like, unless you are in that department or that major, you can't do that. So I think I got very lucky in that regard that I could still kind of dabble in the fun elements of writing without being told that I, I had horrible, you know, comma usage and things like that. <laughs> I don't even think I still know where a comma goes, to be quite honest. Every time I write one down, I'm like, is this where I should be putting a comma? <laughs> yeah, I, I now err on the side of adding more than are necessary. Okay. And then, and then I can take them out later. That's, that's why editors exist. I didn't yeah. realize that until a few years ago, but I was like, wait, editors. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So you went through college and I mean, do you remember a specific point where you like from your childhood where you decided, okay, I guess I'm not going to do this. I guess I'm going to, was there like a specific event that really stands out for you? Not a specific event. I think it was more just seeing over time, you know, um, my teachers obviously saw I had an aptitude for math. They kept kind of pushing me towards that, which I'm glad that they did. I think there's a lot to be said for teachers who will take, you know, young female students and say, you're good at math, you should do math. I think there isn't enough of that going on. So I'm glad that they did that and encouraged me there. Um, but I wasn't getting the encouragement necessarily on the creative writing side until I got to college. Um, and one of my professors for a creative writing seminar was like, you need to keep doing this. Like, and so that was kind of where I finally got that boost of like, oh, I, I could still do something with this, even if it's just for me. So um, there wasn't like a definitive one moment. I think it was a lot of little things that kind of just added up to, um, you know, I'm not allowed to be a writer full time. Um, I'll never make any money. Um, you know, th those kind of messages just getting repeated a lot as a child. Totally. And it wasn't until college that that was kind of somebody started to like undo that. Do you remember the professor's name who started to undo it? Yes, yes. So her name was Cordelia Biddle. And she taught this seminar that was called Writing Killer Fiction, um, which was super fun. It was supposed to be like you write like a short story and it's supposed to be a murder mystery. Um, and so, of course, the title for the, the course is perfect. <laughs> um, and yeah. it was it was a great seminar. And um, I, I was always that person who was like super type A, like little Miss Perfect has to get all of her homework done. And so, but once I started taking this course, I just wanted to keep writing and like, got some of my other assignments, maybe not as perfect as they should have been. Cause I was like, but I really like working on the assignment for this course. Um, so that was definitely a big, a big turning point. And she was very good at encouraging me and staying in touch with me um, for several years after I graduated too, to keep encouraging me. So that was great. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah. did she play a role in helping you transition from marketing to writing? Not directly. Um, so she retired actually uh, a couple years after I graduated. So I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm going to let her enjoy her retirement and not, not keep bugging her. But she was super supportive. Um, you know, after I left the course, she kept encouraging me to keep writing, keep developing the story, looking into some professional organizations um, and things like that. So she was super helpful. Um, and 
yeah, so she didn't directly help me with the transition from full-time, um, you know, corporate job to full-time author, but she was definitely a big inspiration um, for me to keep writing while I was in, you know, corporate America, like just as like my side thing. So that was, that definitely helped propel me to be able to make the jump. That's cool, man. What a blessing. Yeah. And you said yeah. her name was yeah. Cordelia? Yeah. Shout out to Cordelia. What a cool name. Yeah. Cordelia. Yeah. Never heard that before. Very cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. And she had like spiky red hair and like, she was, she was super cool. <laughs> Sounds like a woman after my own heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, cool. So then you graduate, right? Mm -hmm. And you enter corporate America right away. Yes. So, well, a bit. So I graduated in 2010 when <laughs> there were no jobs. I feel like talking about this now in 2020, you know, 2020 graduates are like, okay, you can shut up. We have it worse. But in 2010, it was bad. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. There were, yeah. Yeah. There were just no jobs anywhere. Um, there were, you know, every entry level job wanted five years of experience and a master's degree. And I was like, this is not entry level. Um, yeah. So I jumped right in. I got the first job I could, which is at an insurance call center, um, which I didn't need a college degree to take the job but I needed a job. So I kind of jumped in there um, and was kind of able to um, hopscotch my way to finally get to a sports marketing career, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, okay. I, I started about three months after I graduated. Um, I finally found this was the job that I found after hundreds of applications. Um, so yeah, I kind of jumped into corporate life right away. Um, during that three month hiatus, you know, I would wake up fill out all the new applications for the day and then write. So I was still working on stories and my craft. Um, but then once, you know, the job, the job started, I had to be more intentional about finding that time to write and, you know, make friends as a, a grown up in a new city. Uh, the thing that you don't realize in school is that it's easy to make friends because you're all kind of forced together. Whereas as a grown up, it's hard to be like, do you want to be my friend? Um, yeah. So I had to prioritize, you know, having a social life and getting to know the town I was in and, um, and still prioritizing my passion, which was writing. So that was a, that was a fun mix. Do you want to know my secret to making friends in new cities? <laughs> yeah. What is it? Buy a dog. There you go. Yeah. That would have been a good one. I tell all of my single friends, you want to meet somebody, get a dog because all of my friends I mean, pretty much all of them come from the dog park. It's crazy. They really, they open doors. So to everyone listening who is wanting to make friends in a new city, wherever they are, I highly recommend getting a dog. You will not be disappointed, but it is more work. It is more work, yeah. Anyways, back to MK. So you're working corporate America. You're prioritizing finding friends. You're also making sure that you carve out time for your creativity how long were you in the marketing job? Um, so I worked at my last company that I was at for four and a half years. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a good long time there. And I, I really enjoyed working for the company. It was, um, even though it was a big brand, it was a small staff. So it was very exciting just to, you know, work with other ambitious people. Um, a lot of people there also had like some kind of a side gig going on. Um, mm -hmm. So that was like, we all had this similar mindset. Um, and it was just, it, there was a cool factor, right? Like it's, if you work for like this big name brand, like it's just cool. Like when people say, what do you do? You're like, oh, I work here. They're like, oh, that's cool. Um, it, yeah. So 
Yeah. So that definitely um, was a fun factor to it. And I think being able to work at in marketing for this large brand that had this big name recognition, but not necessarily a large marketing budget um, was really good for me as now a business owner, because I was able to say, okay, well, I can learn these things that I can apply to my own business um, as well. So it was, it turned out to be a really fortuitous timing of as I was really starting to build my business on the side um, to you know, get my books out, um, help other authors get their books out. I was like, oh, well, like, here's a concept we're using at work for like how to leverage Facebook ads or how to market mm-hmm. organically. I could try this in my own business now and, and see how that works. So it all kind of came together at the right time as I was starting to see my my, my creative passion and my hobby as a business. I was learning a lot and applying a lot um, in, in a business business. So it was, it was a good, uh, real life learning there. That's awesome. It's interesting. The gentleman who I just spoke with an hour ago, he was in sales and he said the exact same thing that how sales actually helped propel his music career forward because he learned different ways to approach, you know, publishing companies. And so it's funny. There's like this theme today of how your journey and your life actually supports where you are right now even if it didn't seem like it at the time, or maybe that wasn't yeah. what you ultimately wanted to be. Yeah. yeah. And I think it was just me kind of waking up to that idea. I mean, obviously previous companies I worked in, I could have been more of a go-getter. I could have, um, you know, done more to kind of learn the ins and outs of the business and maybe applied it that much sooner, but it was all kind of like clicking at the same time. Um, so yeah, that was great. And I think, I think one part that gets overlooked too, I feel like a lot of people who pursue a creative endeavor, we always feel like, you know, the money would be nice, but we don't want to sully the art with money. And like, Mm -hmm. um, it shouldn't just be for the, for the money. But I think one thing that was nice about where I worked is that I was decently compensated. Um, and so that allowed me to save, um, you know, I had no debt, so it allowed me to make the jump, um, maybe sooner than I would have otherwise to say like, you know what, like I have the money saved, like, you know, my husband and I were financially set, like I can give this a full year to kind of see what I can make with it. And I think that was, um, that was a nice, vote of confidence. Um, cause you know, like we could say, well, financially we'd be better off if you stayed working full time and we invested yeah. and, and saved and all that. But it was a nice vote of confidence to be able to say, okay, we have this time and this space to make this a thing. Um, and I think that was something that I, I was appreciative of in the moment and I'm still appreciative of. And I think a lot of creatives, um, you know, we always just want to focus on the art and the product and the impact and the meaning behind it. But um, at the end of the day, like got to pay those bills and and that's the the nitty. Yeah. That's the nitty gritty part. And I think that was one benefit to having a day job, like a corporate day job was that, um, you know, by no means was I, you know, rolling in it, but you know, I was paid well enough that I was able to save, um, I had, had good benefits. So I was healthy, um, and I was able to, to make that jump. And I think that's something I definitely appreciate and don't want to, um, overlook on the journey either, because that's a big step too. Yeah. And it's, it's good that you bring that up because it's something that I essentially don't promote just quitting your job to make art right from the get go. Right. Elizabeth Gilbert (laughs) talks about it in her book. She has this great book called big magic on the creative process. And she says a lot of times people will come up to her and they'll be like, Oh, I just want to let you know, like I quit my job to write my screenplay. And she says every time she hears something like that, she starts to cringe inside because 
she knows that nothing kills creativity faster than like being out of money, not having a job. Right. Mm -hmm. And it squeezes, it creates this need, this needy energy around like your creative passion. And then that is, that's, that's just exhausting. That's too much, too much pressure on the process. Yeah, it is. And I had, um, before my last corporate job, um, the company I worked with before that just had like a horrible work culture. Um, you know, people just pin it against each other, just like not, not a very good environment to be in. And so I would often find myself coming home at the end of the day. So yeah, I'm still getting a paycheck, but I'm just thinking like, I need to write this best-selling book and make a million dollars and get out of here. Mm. And you know, clearly the writing I did that was inspired by that was not good. Like those books never saw the light of day. Those stories were never developed. And I think, you know, to your point, yeah, like the need for money will stifle you so quickly because you go from producing what you want to produce to then just saying, well, how can I hack this? You know, what's popular? I'm just going to do that, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever that is. Um, And so I even found that with my own writing when I was like, I just need to write a bestseller and make a million dollars. Like, I don't know. First of all, nobody gets seven, seven figure advances very often. So it shows how much I didn't know. Um, but yeah, that, that stifled it. And when I was like, well, I want to write because like, I want to get my book out and I want to see if I can do this. And it was more of like a self challenge. That's when I started to see sales. I started to see things going off. And then over several years, it built enough where it was like enough of a business to then leave the job. Um, and I think that's the part that people, don't realize is like, there's the long struggle to get there. And for me, I can say it was, you know, a couple years. Um, and I feel very lucky to say that, but I do think there's a lot of pressure in our society right now in entrepreneurship and hustling culture and things like that, where it's like, I made a million dollars in one year and here's how you can do it too. And it's like, well, their first secret is that they put $10,000 into ads day one and they had all these other resources. And it's like, well, I can't do that. I'm not you. Um, and so I do think that's something that a lot of creatives, whether they're, they're currently working full time in that, or they are aspiring to do that. There's, there's so many like clickbaity titles of blog posts and YouTube videos and podcasts that are just like, learn how to make $10,000 a month writing books. And you're like, that's not, that's, that's not a reality. That's like, maybe that person had one month, one month of their whole career where like they made five figures and now that's what they're, they're touting everywhere. But like the rest of the months are probably like max four figures. (laughs) Like, um, it's, uh, it's interesting just to see that that's the golden nugget everybody's chasing now, but yeah, it needs to be sustained, continued income revenue. Like it's that, that's the hard part. That's, that's not glamorous. That's not, you know, that's not what people want to hear, but that's the reality. Yeah. You know, I want to draw a distinction too, because you talked about how when you were in the first job that you didn't like, mm-hmm. that you were trying to write, you know, and it was, it had this energy about it, like the writing was going to be the ticket out of this place, but there was this real needy energy also in that. And so even though you were making money because you had such dissatisfaction in the position, you were almost like trying to use the art to leverage as like an escape route and how you were still dissatisfied with your creative output at that time. And I think that's a really powerful distinction to draw out that like, yeah, wanting, wanting it to happen now, right? Like the patience sort of aspect of the journey and recognizing like that that doesn't help either. And I've been in that position all the, uh, so many times. I mean, I, I go in and out of it. 
right? Yeah. So there's sometimes I'm like, oh my goodness, I just got to like, uh, and then make art so I can get, get just quit, you know, uh, you know? and that doesn't work. No, no. And I think that's where like, it's good to have a defined goal for the art, right? And is it like, okay, so for my first book that I ended up publishing, I was like, I just want to see that I can write this, that I can do it, I can finish and I can get it out there. Like Mm -hmm. that was the goal. And I said, you know, if one person that is not, you know, mom, dad or spouse buys this book, then it's a success. Um, And it was really just honing in and defining that goal because there were so many people who along the journey were like, Oh, well you should do this. And then what you do is you post it here, 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 and this is how you hack it. And like, it was all these other things. And I was like, I can't pay attention to that noise right now. Like I know what my goal is. And I think, Mm. um, you know, in some ways people always want to give you advice to help you make more money or they want to give you advice to get out larger. But I think that's where we, you know, every time we're starting a new creative project, like for me, every time I start a new book, I have a goal for that book. And sometimes it's a challenge to myself to try and write something different than before. Like one of my books, I was like, I'm going to write a character where the main character is male. And like, I've never done that before. Most of my main characters end up being female because surprise, I'm a female. (laughs) That's a bit easier for me to write. And so for me, I was like, okay, the goal here is to convincingly write a male main character um, and like get it out and have like somebody who's a male read it and be like, okay, that that doesn't sound like a chick wrote this. Cool. Um, You know, and obviously, you know, I want it to have commercial success. I want it to get out there. I want people to read and enjoy it. But I think when I focus on the goal being more about how I can refine my craft, how I can um, improve what I'm doing for, for the next book, what can I learn? that's when I have a better product that in turn, you know, has more commercial success versus when I say, well, I want to sell a book that has, you know, hits this on the bestseller ranking or sells as many copies. Like, well, that's, that's a totally different wheelhouse. It's a totally different starting point. Um, and I think that's okay. I think there are some people who like to have those goals. Um, they, they feel nice when you hit those metrics. Um, but I think it's important to define like, what is that one goal. Like you can have these secondary goals around it, but like, what is the primary reason you're creating this, this book, this piece of art, whatever it is, um, because that's going to be the guiding light that actually gets you to finish it. (laughs) And, um, you'll feel more satisfied at the end. Like, did I reach this, this goal that I had, not the goal that other people imposed on me? That's it right there. Boom. Right. It's the inner (laughs) satisfaction. I hear this a lot, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, you know, art and creativity is really feeding just a deep inner part of us. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the money is just a byproduct of the game that we play called society, right? Where we have to yeah. earn it to, you know, have food and, and a house, but really the artist is chasing their inner goal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I also hear that having a product that you really stood behind that met that need for you, that's then easier to bring out into the world and really stand behind and then market. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or where I can talk about the creative experience of writing the book. I find a lot of readers, whether they're fellow authors, fellow writers, or just, you know, people who like to read books, that's what they want to hear. They don't want to hear about, well, I went on this forum and they said, I needed to write in this exact genre, this many words to make this much money. Like people are like, Oh, so you just follow this formula. Like, Nobody wants to read that book. But when I say, oh, like I was challenging myself here. This is what I was really trying to do with this book. This was the story, the underlying message, the inspiration behind it. People resonate with that so much more. And I get such better feedback from people. Even once they're done reading the book, they're like, oh, wow, I really enjoyed this. I thought it was so cool that you were doing X, Y, Z. You know, 
I find better connection with the art itself, but then also with the people who are reading my book. Um, and I, I think that's much more rewarding. I mean, yes, I like to eat. I like to have a roof over my head, but um, I find that much more rewarding. And, um, you know, I think, yeah, if we ever hit the lottery or, you know, just overnight our you know, set and never have to think about money again. Okay, cool. Um, I'm still going to write. I'm still going to create these totally. items. And I, I feel so much more confident in that now than I did, you know, when I first graduated college and there was just this mass panic, no jobs, you know, gotta, gotta make money mindset. Um, and we're, we're kind of going through, you know, another economic downturn now. Um, but I still yeah. don't feel that panicking need to just write to write, um, to make money. I feel the need to like, well, I need to get my art out so people can enjoy it. They need, they need an escape right now. Um, and that's a much better place to come from. Yeah. So it sounds like you were writing alongside of your second corporate job. Is it, am I right? You had mm -hmm. two corporate jobs, one you didn't so much love and then the <laughs> one you had for four years that you did enjoy. Yeah. You yeah. Writing alongside so, both of those. Yeah. I would love to hear more of that. And I'm also curious cause you've said now that you actually enjoyed that second job. So I'm curious what, in, in having a job that you actually really enjoyed, you still decided to go your own way. I find that fascinating. And I'd love to mm -hmm. hear what propelled you to, you know, to leave it. It sounds like it was a great job and might've just been nice to keep coasting. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I just wanted to be Wonder Woman, right? I was like, I can do it all. I can run my business and okay. be a star at work. And yeah, no, that's, that's not realistic. That's not good for anybody mentally, physically. No, that's, don't, awesome. don't try and do that. Um, so yeah, yeah. And I really enjoyed the job and I felt like, you know, I was, I had my book writing time, right. And that was, I had my Saturday afternoons, I could write the book and, and doing that, I had enough time just for me just to write the books I wanted. I was getting one book out a year. And then I noticed, you know, as I'm getting books out, people are asking me questions like, well, how do I do this? How do I do this? Um, and I wanted to help them because I felt like when I got started, I didn't have a lot of help. I had Google <laughs> um, yeah. and I had to figure a lot out for myself. And so I was like, okay, so I would, you know, write down these detailed emails of like, well, here's some things to consider. You know, you really, you really need to, you know, think about what you want with the book and all these things. And I wrote out these detailed emails and, and send back the reply. And then I was like, well, maybe I can just templatize this. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, let me, let me do that. But then I felt that was too impersonal and I was still tweaking them. So I, I kept losing more of my time to write my books on the weekends to helping others, which was fun. I, I liked doing it, but I was like, I really just want to write my books. Um, and so I was like, okay, my solution is I'm going to record YouTube videos. They're not going to be great, but they're, they're going to be informative and I'm just going to get them out there. And then people who have these questions. They can watch the videos. I'm helping them, but I get my time back. So I was like, okay, one solution. Cool. Get to write my books. Um, and then I had two friends who started a podcast in 2017. Um, and at the time, you know, my husband and I were like, well, we really need to support them. The podcast market is so oversaturated, like, which is so funny to think of now because totally 2017, is. there was like a fraction. Worse. Yeah. Um, and we were like, yeah. well, we really need to support them, you know, and, and just make sure we download and listen every week. And then like a couple months in, they were like, oh yeah, we have like 10,000 subscribers. And I was like, what? you're like internet famous. Um, and so, you know, we just, you know, wanted to keep supporting them and they finally just reached out one day like, Hey, like we're thinking of doing a book based on the podcast. Like, what are your thoughts? And I was like, okay, well here, here's all the things that I would usually write out and, and go back and forth. 
And so it was 2018, and I remember it very clearly. Um, so the one guy on the podcast, Jonathan, his wife, Danny, is from Zimbabwe. She has a beautiful voice, and she was narrating one of my books for me for an audiobook. Um, and so Danny reached out to me. I'm really busy at work because my husband and I are about to leave for a trip to Hawaii. And so I'm like, I, you know, before you go on vacation at work, it's always crazier and there's yeah. more to do. And I see that Danny messaged me and she's like, Hey, do you have time to chat at around like 11? And I was like, yeah, sure. I just figured something about, you know, my book that she's narrating. And she's like, okay, Jonathan's going to call you then. And I was like, why is Jonathan going to call me? Um, and he was like, Hey, um, you know, I read over what you sent about the book super smart. He's like, I don't have time to manage this and learn all the things that are in here. He's like, could you just manage this project for us? Could you just work with our writer, um, make sure the, the chapters get on time, give them feedback, help publish it. And, and we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll work it out, you know, how to pay you with royalties or whatever on the back end. And I was like, gosh, yeah, that sounds fun. Like that sounds great. Um, and so realizing, you know, we're, we're starting to go back and forth in some details. And so I get on this flight to Hawaii, which is nine hours just sitting there. Yeah. No internet, no nothing. Um, and I start to realize I'm like, okay, so I have my books. I'm losing time. I'm going to give up time to write my books to help them with their book, but there's this potential to help them not only put out this one book, but other books. Um, and I was like, okay, I think this is a business at this point. This is not just me on the side. I write books and then I kind of just help people. Like this is me like as an independent publisher now, helping other people bring their books to market, um, teaching people about this, all those things. And so I landed in Hawaii with my husband and I had this like two page document of like what the business plan could be. Um, and wow. so that was kind of the start of my transition away from corporate America and realizing that if I wanted this to happen, right? So just writing my own books wasn't going to be enough ever to propel me to be able to financially support myself. It's having the business. It's, you know, teaching people how to do this. It's helping other authors get there and saying, you know what, their time is valuable or their time is focused on their business and I can help them get the book out so that they can just focus on the thing that they want to do. Um, so I lost a lot of my book writing time. I had like a book going every year and then there was like a gap year for like, I didn't put out a book, but I very quickly after, you know, helping that one podcast, signing on with that, I had another person reach out to me who had an online course who wanted to do a workbook. Um, and they were like, how do I do this? And I was like, oh, well, here's how you would do it. Um, and so I very quickly went from just me to, I had clients, I had um, people asking questions on YouTube. Um, and so more and more of my free time outside of work started to be dedicated to this business that I was growing that I didn't really have a name for I was just I just help people you know trying to figure that out um and it was so fun right like I think that's that's the aspect of it where like yeah I enjoyed my day job but I was you know getting up an hour and a half before I would go to work so I could write a little of my own book you know work out shower get ready for work go to work work all day come home okay edits for this client edits for that client all these things. And it, it was turning into a grind. Um, even though I was still getting energy, you know, from working with these authors and, and seeing their excitement and seeing their, um, oh my gosh, this, is, this feels real and celebrating these like milestones with them. Like I was getting energy from that, but like 
it wasn't enough to, to compensate for all the energy that I was spending, um, mm -hmm. not really getting the rest. So I, I had to start that kind of like mental framework in 2018 of what is it going to look like when I don't have this paycheck anymore, when I don't have this cool title anymore. I started to introduce myself differently. So when people would say, what do you do? I'd say, oh, I'm an author and independent publisher, um, but I do still have a day job. And I just wouldn't say the company name anymore because I realized the cool factor was part of what was tying me to the job oh. um, and people being like, Oh, that's so cool. And I'm like, no, it's cool that I'm an author. And I have a business. <laughs> um, so yeah. And I, I had to change how I identified myself. I had to really reflect on um, how I was valuing my, my, myself as a person of, well, I make X figures per year or I make this much as my paycheck and saying like, that is not my value as a person. That is the money that's deposited into my bank account. My value as a person comes from, who I am and, and, you know, the relationships I have with people and starting to disassociate the two because I knew even though the business was starting to pick up, it was not going to fully replace that income. Um, and I needed to be prepared for the moment of like, what did I do? <laughs> um, so that was, it was a long road of starting to disassociate from my identity as corporate yeah. marketer, super cool brand to author independent publisher, business owner. So it, it was a long journey and I'm glad I gave myself the time to have that journey and that evolution. And it wasn't just like a hard stop um, and change. Of course, of course. So yeah. I can really relate to what you just said. And um, I'd love to hear more about what was going on inside your mind when you started um, telling people that instead of telling them that you worked for the super cool company, that you were now an author and independent publisher because like I'm a chiropractor. That's my day job right now. <laughs> and yeah. you tell someone that and they're like, Oh wow, you're a chiropractor, you know, and they want to tell you about their back pain, et cetera. And it feeds your <laughs> ego a little bit. Cause you're like, cool. Mm -hmm. I feel important right now. This person wants my help. Um, mm -hmm. Versus, you know, I'm a musician or, you know, I'm a drummer, I'm a guitar player, I'm a singer songwriter. And mm -hmm. I've noticed even recently, and this is why I want to hear more from you. I've noticed that recently I'm starting to say like, yes, I'm a musician. I'm, you know, working towards a career as a musician. But then I'll often mm -hmm. like kind of give it a little asterisk. And I'll say like, I know that sounds ridiculous coming from someone who's 37 years old, but I feel strongly about this. So I'm going for it, you know, and I kind of, yeah. kind of like step forward and then step backwards and so I'd just love to hear like what was going on inside your mind when you were starting to share that with people. Yeah, it was tough. It was like, I had to remind myself mentally every time I might be in a situation where someone would ask, Oh, what do you do? You know, you're um, out with a, with a new group of people. You're um, you know, I would go to these like business owner meetups. And so that was, that was a bit easier, like these creative mm -hmm. entrepreneur meetups because everybody was doing that. Um, oh, perfect. But I would just have it in my mind. Yeah. You Practice know, like there. go, go to the other creative entrepreneurs. They get it. Um, okay. and so I would just have in mind like author, independent publisher, author, independent publisher. And, mm. and so I kind of saw there were, there were several typical reactions, you know, something like, Oh, that's so cool. I want to write a book. Um, and so that was always the most exciting reaction that I would get from people. Cause so many people I know have it in their mind, like, Oh yeah, I want to write a book one day. Yeah. Um, so that would always just lead to a good conversation where I could just talk to them and I get, I get energy from talking about books. Um, so that was always, fun or I get the reaction of what's an independent publisher like and so I kind of explain like okay so like I publish my own books and I help people publish their books so like I teach them what they need to do I set them up because they're 
so focused on what their business is that they don't have the energy to learn those ins and outs. So I help them. They're like, okay. Or I'd get people who are like, oh, okay. So you're published. And what they would mean by that is like, oh, like the establishment has published you. Like one of these five major publishing houses has published you. And I would just be like, yeah, I'm published. I published myself, but like I'm published. Um, Or, you know, every once in a while. And I would kind of oh, this might sound bad, but like I could tell by the type of person I was talking to what their reaction might be. Like usually older people, Mm. usually older men would just be like, oh, okay, what do you write? And I would say sci-fi. They're like, oh, I didn't think girls wrote sci-fi. And I would just be like, Mm. just so much cringe with everything you said. So I would just be like, yeah, I'm a writer. And I would just leave it at that. Um, I could almost like tell what the conversation was going to turn to. Um, but most people were really welcome and opening. And I think that helped me to have more confidence in continuing to say that um, because I was, I was very nervous at first. She would be like, oh, okay. So like dime a dozen, like author. Um, because of course, in the circles, I was starting to talk with other authors, other writers. I was like, well, everybody's a writer. Um, but then when you're just out in the world and you say that you're an author, people are like, oh, that's so cool. Like I've never met an author before. And you're like, really? I know a bunch. Um, so it was, it was very validating. Um, and I think having those positive interactions just helped to like build that confidence of like, this is real. Like there are people out there who only know me for this. Um, and this is where I want to keep going and, and defining myself this way. So that was very positive. Yeah. I think there's a lot of importance in sort of speaking your truth to the world and, and, and really putting mm-hmm. it out there and saying like out loud, I'm an author, I'm an independent publisher. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I feel also it's my impression that as you gain more confidence in saying that people then respond more positively because they feel that energetic shift inside of you. Like I'm an author. You say it from a really grounded, deep place. And they're like, Oh man, that's amazing. Tell me more. Yeah. Versus I bet in the beginning, right. Everyone can sense your trepidation. Oh, I'm an author. I'm an author. You know, and they're like, you know, they judge you more. Maybe. (laughs) Okay. Sure. Yeah. 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 And, and I think that's one thing that it is important to claim that identity. And, and I feel like there's, there's a lot of people out there who feel like, well, you know, does that mean I'm changing? Am I, am I trying to, to present something that I'm not? Am I being a poser or fake? It's like, no, like I was an author. The second my first book was published, I was a published author. Um, but I was just too afraid to like name it and put it out there because I didn't feel like I had, you know, this number one ranking or, or this list or, or whatever, but it's like, nope. I'm an author. Just there's way more authors out there who've never made a bestseller list or never hit a certain ranking than there are those who have, because we can't all be Stephen King. Yeah. Fact of it. I hear he has a really great book. My wife is reading his book on writing right now and she's enjoying it. Yes. It's his, his is one of the best that I recommend for people on the actual craft and practice of writing. Um, He's, he's prolific. So he, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, my, my wife is writing a book right now. And so this is really oh, nice. interesting to, to hear about. And and I can tell that for her, it's also that inner journey of like showing herself, like I can write a book. I'm going to write a whole mm-hmm. book. And uh, mm-hmm. ooh, I'm super proud of her to watch her just like chip away at it really consistently and, you know, spend hours mm-hmm. writing to the point where it's like, honey, are you here right now? Like, <laughs> yeah. but I love that. Yeah. It doesn't, I'm, I'm, I'm that way with my music. So it works well for us to have that yeah creative. yeah based on the set aside create creativity time yeah 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 so. that's awesome that's awesome i hope i hope she finishes her book and reaches that goal that's that's she awesome will. she definitely yeah. will she is one of the most uh 
will say when she says she's going to do something, she'll do it. I mean, I've been really impressed with her in many ways through these last seven years. So I have all confidence that that will happen. Good. Of course, now Good. pressure's on oh, because exciting. I'm saying it out loud. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we'll have to like, interview oh, her sure. on the podcast. Yeah, exactly. I thought of that. I thought of that. I thought of that, you know, because yeah, she has a job and, you know, luckily her job affords her enough time and and finances to be able to spend her free time on her creativity. And so that's, that's really good. Awesome to watch. That's really good. Yeah. And I think that's something that I, I didn't appreciate before I left my day job was that, that financial security where I didn't feel like I had to be hustling I didn't have to, you know, go drive an Uber or, or do something else. Like I was able to have that free time for a creative outlet um, and really just defining that. I think a lot of people would always ask me when I still had the day job, like, well, how do you have time to write? And I was like, I don't watch that much TV. Like I, I have my priorities set. Like I have, um, I have other things in my life figured out where I can just have my day job and I can have my creativity time. Um, and I think that's, that's an important factor too. To like to really prioritize it so that's awesome that she's doing that that's it's really cool yeah there's um there's an author he wrote a book called getting things done but it's about organization he has a ted talk mm-hmm. i can't remember his name now it's david something mm-hmm. but he shares okay. in his ted talk about how most of us feel that we don't have enough time oh you know you're mm-hmm. saying that you get all these messages and emails and da, 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 you know kind of putting the blame outside of yourself and then i forget which composer it is it's mozart or one of those you know, guys, and he says, Mm -hmm. he's like, he had 15 kids, or it was some incredible amount of kids, you know, like, if, if he can write all of these, you know, beautiful musical compositions with Mm -hmm. 15 kids, like, you can do it too, even if you have 100 emails coming at you. And I liked what you Mm -hmm. said, you know, you're like, I don't watch TV, or I don't watch much TV. Because I get way more done on the nights than I don't watch TV, right? I play guitar, Mm -hmm. she writes, like, but sometimes yeah. there's nights where he's like, you can watch three hours of Netflix and it's just like, you yeah. can do that every night if you want. And then boom, you don't yeah. have, to, you're not putting the energy into the creativity. Yeah. And I think that's where I've, I've found a better balance now that my full-time job is you know writing and helping others. Um, you know, when I had a full-time job and then I was trying to build a business, there was, there was just no time for TV. I was like, you know what? I can, mm. I'll catch it on a rerun. Like I can, I can get the DVDs from the library, you know, um, and that, that was what worked for me. You know, other people might say, no, like I want to create a screenplay. I need to be watching movies. Like, okay, that, that makes sense. But then, then something else has to give, like you truly can't have it all. Um, and there's, um, there's like this phrase that I know that's like, you, you can afford anything, but you can't afford everything. And I think that really goes um, especially for time, right? Your time is the one resource you can't get any more of. You can always make more money. You could always, you know, you could always find yeah. something to make more money. Um, but time you don't get back. So it's like, I can afford to spend my time on anything, but I can't spend it on everything. And so just getting really dialed in on what my priorities are. And, you know, when I really say, I want, I want to get this book done by this deadline, because I know I need a deadline to get it done. Then, you know, what? other things are going to fall away that month. And the following month as I'm, um, kind of relaxed. I'm in the editing phase. You know, I, you know, I hit that deadline. I set my, for myself. Yeah. You know, loosen up a little bit, you know, watch a little bit more TV, things like that. But, um, just having that prioritization, otherwise the art will never get done. There's always, um, very well-designed, um, elements in our society, social media and TV, like they're designed to keep you, 
keep you there. Um, there are a lot of very well-paid engineers who are paid to make sure that you, you keep watching Netflix or that you keep scrolling through social media. Um, and so it's, it's no fault of your own if you get caught in it. It was designed that way, um, but it's very easy to kind of let time slip away that way. Yeah, and honestly, knowing that it's designed that way, I find helpful to sort of unplug from it because I recognize like, whoa, this is set up to attract my attention now that I know that that's their intention, right? It mm -hmm. kind of helps me like unplug mm -hmm. from it a little bit. And I'm still addicted to, you know, Instagram and yeah. things, but oh, it, yeah. hopefully not as much as, you know, a lot of people around me. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think as like somebody who's a creative entrepreneur or just a creative person in art, the time we're living in, you kind of need to be on those platforms to promote what you're doing. Totally. And there's that fine line between like, I'm on Instagram to promote, Hey, my book is releasing, or uh, I'm on Twitter to connect with other authors, but then it very quickly can slide into, Ooh, puppy memes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's finding that balance of well, what, what am I using this for intentionally to connect with readers to put the word out about what I've just created and spent, you know, all this time making. And when am I just slip sliding into, you know, the, the fun of it all. So yeah. Zombie line. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually really grateful for those devices that we have because I feel like it gives independent creatives, right. A chance mm -hmm. to connect with such a large audience, like at their fingertips all over the world. Mm-hmm. Right. And look, I mean, you're in Florida, I'm in Brussels, we connected via the internet, here we are having a conversation. Yeah. I mean, it's just an incredible tool that we have at our disposal right now. So I definitely keep that in mind. And I'm super grateful for it. Because I think before that, there was too many gatekeepers to all of these, mm -hmm. you know, upper echelons of sort of getting a book out or getting a record out or you name it. And mm -hmm. now there's a lot you can do for yourself. Exactly. And I think that empowerment is hopefully going to inspire more artists to, to get that done. Um, that, you know, that, that excuse of the gatekeepers is gone. Right. Yeah. So now it's like, okay, well, what are you going to do? Um, and I, hopefully that, that provides an inspiring challenge. Um, but also just opens people up who otherwise might've felt like they couldn't have brought their art to the world. So I think that's going to be exciting to see how that continues to evolve. Absolutely. So when did you make the jump, right? Talk us through like, uh, when that happened for you and, yeah. yeah, I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, so it was um, last June, so June 2019, mm -hmm. um, I started my my full-time uh, creative entrepreneur journey. Um, so I, May 31st, last day at my corporate job, um, had a nice long weekend, and then it was Monday, and I said, okay, and I, I'm going to get done all the things that I said I didn't have time to do before because I had a day job. Um, and then I realized that was unrealistic to do in one day or one week or one month. Um, <laughs> and so I, I just kind of dove right in on making sure I was focused on the current projects that I had going that I now had more time during the day, my most productive brain hours to focus on um, finishing, you know, my next book um, and really starting to establish the business as a business um, you know, making sure my website looked right. There was some branding, you know, all those little things to make it look like I'm a legit business, not just somebody who's doing this on the side. Um, so yeah, June, 2019 was when I made that transition. So I've been doing this for over a year now, no end in sight. 
Um, so it's gone well. Um, you know, my husband and I had the discussion of like, okay, if after a year it's not going well, maybe try to find a job. And then this June came and went and I was like, well, thank goodness the business is do- doing well. Cause I don't think I could find a job right now <laughs> because yeah. of everything that's been going on. Um, so it's, uh, it's been a fun journey. It's been without its, you know, ups and downs. Um, you know, there's days where I'm just like, oh, I'm not getting the metrics I want and all these other things. And the next day, you know, I'll, I'll book a podcast to be on and I'll see I got sales. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. I love it. Um, so it's it's a bit of a roller coaster, um, but it's it's fun and it's challenging. And I've learned way more in the past year than I think I learned the entire time that I was in school. Um, just about business and using different platforms and yeah, it's, it's been a fun ride. The school of hard knocks right now, huh? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Uh, I love that you use the word creative entrepreneur. I think this is yeah. a really important idea that, you know, you, cause obviously you're writing books, right. Mm-hmm. And you're, you know, you're, you're a published author for your own art But you also are able to turn, you know, your creative field, at least writing, right, into like a side career as well, like a creative entrepreneurial career. Mm -hmm. I mean, share more about that experience. And uh, yeah, I would just love to, to know more. Yeah. So I think that that's been the more challenging side where, you know, I was just happy to help people. They had questions. I would answer those questions, you know you're putting stuff up on YouTube. And then when it finally came to people saying like, Hey, will you just run this as a project for me? Will you do this work for me? I was very uncomfortable, you know, putting out like, well, here's what I think that should be paid. Like, you know, like I'm doing work, you know, my time is valuable. Um, and so the hardest part was to really define like, well, what's the value of this that I should charge others and getting comfortable making the sale, um, and saying, Hey, like we've talked about this, you're interested. Do you, do you want to sign up or not? Um, and so that, that's been a challenge um, because I always felt like, again, like, well, am I not being helpful to people because I'm charging them? And I'm like, no, like it's, it's that value. Like a lot of the clients I've worked with have seen the value and they've been like, you way undercharged me. And I'm like, well, that's good to know. I was like, I thought it was a good amount. Um, yeah. So, you know, it makes me feel good that I'm, I'm bringing the value and that, you know, for the clients I've worked with, they've actually expanded onto their own business by having a book out and things like that. Um, so I, I'm helping them, you know, in turn, um, you know, pay back at least what they paid me, um, with, with what they're earning. So that, that makes me feel good. But that's the hardest part was not just my own art, but like helping other people with theirs. It's like, it's one thing if I mess up in my book, it's one thing if my book launch gets a little messed up and I'm like, Oh, I didn't want it to go that way. It's another thing when it's somebody else's book baby, you know? Um, so that kind of put that extra pressure on me. And I think I've done well rising to that challenge, but that was, that was definitely, um, a big shift. And I still, sometimes I'm not totally comfortable with like, okay, well, like I could help you with that. Here, here's what the rate would be. Um, I still, I still find I'm a little timid with that, but I also have had more than enough clients where I, there's been times where I'm like, I could, I couldn't sign somebody right now. Like I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. And I've kind of put that out to the universe of like, okay, like I'm busy like this. I'm good. I'm where I'm where I'm happy. And then times when, okay, projects were off. I'm like, you know what? I think it maybe is time to put myself out there again. And, and the universe has answered by sending people my way. So I feel very fortunate in that way. And I know that's very woo woo and not very no, actionable. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I love it. No. Nope. Um, 
but yeah, I think, I think trusting that intuition of what, what seems right. And of the clients that I've worked with, um, I've been lucky that I haven't had to hard sell anybody, right? Like if somebody isn't there, if they don't really want to get the book done, it shows through in the conversation and nothing I say or do or coach them to do is going to get that book done. Um, and so I find that the people who want to get it done are the ones who are following up with me like, okay, can you send me an invoice? Like, let's get this done. And I'm like, yes, you're the person I want to work with because you want to get this done and mm-hmm. that's going to make it easier versus the person that I have to like convince, okay, you want to write a book? Well, here's what, what you need to do. Do you still want to do it? Like, that's just not going to be a good experience for either of us. And I usually just kind of let those fall to the wayside. They'll come back when, when the passion and that fire is really lit under them. Um, so that's, that's kind of been, I've been more passive on that. I know there's so many gurus out there who say, you got to do this, this, and this to sell. And I'm just like, that's not my way. Um, and it's, it's worked, yeah. thankfully, knock on wood to this point. So, I mean, that's what I hear too, is that you've been going your own way this whole time. In fact, it doesn't even sound like you intentionally set out to build a coaching publishing practice, but you were simply sharing value out into the world because people were curious about it. It just was a natural extension of you doing your art mm-hmm. and putting it out into the world. And then people wanted to learn more about that process. And so you started helping them. And it's just like, look how taking, you know, initiative in your own life and your own art has now opened up a whole other, like you said, creative entrepreneurial business. Exactly. Exactly. You know, when I first put out my own book, I, I never would have thought of helping others because I was like, I, I'm still figuring out what I'm doing. Like what I couldn't help somebody else. And you know, the confidence of somebody coming to me and asking, and I'm like, oh yeah, I could help you with that. That's right. Like I do know more about this than the, the average person. Um, so yeah, that's been, that's been a fun, again, that identity, like how I identify of like, oh yes, I can help you with that. Um, has, has been interesting and in, in building the confidence. I find that I'm constantly having to remind myself that like, I, I know what I'm doing and like, oh yeah, I, I could do that. Like, um, it's interesting to see that that has not been stripped away. And I think that's a good thing. It keeps me humble. It keeps me wanting to learn more. Um, and I don't, I don't feel like I'm one of those like people in the entrepreneurship space who's like, oh, I know everything and I can sell you my secrets. I'm just like, no, like, do you, do you want help? Um, and I think that's, that's because it's true to me and who I am. Yeah. It's more organic and it attracts the people that I would work best with. So yeah, I think being, you know, humble goes a long way, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. how, how sick are we of these internet gurus that market endlessly to us through Facebook and Instagram ads mm-hmm. that are like, we're going to teach you how to make six figures here and da, 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 and, or, you know, get a million streams on your Spotify playlist or song. And it's just like, man, come on, this is nonsense. Yeah. I think maybe you fall for it once or twice. I know that I've fallen for some things like that yeah. <laughs> right in yeah. the past and uh, learn my lesson and you know it's yeah. just not the way the way is consistency time patience mm-hmm. right? recognizing like mm-hmm. that this is a life I like to say that it's a life sport art and creativity is a life sport you just you mm-hmm. do it because you have that inner calling to do it and you just keep mm-hmm. going forward yep yeah. And I found that that's, that's the, that's the way to do it. And people just don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear it. Like no. it just takes time, you know, yeah. that's, there's no, there's no shortcut for that. And I do find that the information that people come to me um, wanting 
most is like, is the technical, like how to of like, I, I wrote the book, like now, how, how do I get it on Amazon? It's not that they're like, how do I get it on Amazon to be a bestseller and, and make a million dollars? They're like, how do I just get it there? I just want people to go and click the button and buy it there. I'm like, yeah. I can tell you exactly how to do that. And I can tell you all the different ways to do it. Um, and so I find that's the information that people actually want and are looking for. But so often, yeah, what rises to the top of that search is like, make a million dollars selling books on Amazon. And they're like, well, yeah. uh, I mean, I wouldn't not want to make a million dollars. Let me check this out. Um, <laughs> and then they, they spend time getting lost on that rabbit hole when they're like, I just literally needed to know where, what button to click and what link to go to to make yeah. this happen. Um, and so I find that that is my most successful content that I put out is just these very basic, like easy answer to like a very specific question on books. Um, because that's what's missing. It's, is the, just the tactical, like, here's how to do X, Y, Z versus the, you'll make a million dollars, blah, blah, blah. Bye now. Um, yeah, I think people get fed up with that and they're just like, I just want this one answer. So, so how many books have you put out now? Um, so my seventh book is about to come out, um, on September 15th, Architects. It's the sequel to my very first book ever, um, which is a sci-fi book. And then for my clients, I've put out another eight. Um, so that's exciting. Although like more of them are finishing all the time. So like it's, I'll do a tally at the end of the year. Um, but yeah, it's, it's exciting to see how many have come out and my bookshelf is getting fuller and fuller. (laughs) All the books, I'm going to need a bigger one. Yeah. And so, Okay, so your book is coming out September 15th. You put out seven. Now, it sounds like you actually, you, it's not a, necessarily like you don't have a, you're not the company that's being the publisher. You're helping people publish their own. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. And that's that's one of the things that I've been able to um, help these companies with is like if they have, they're just like a coaching company, right? They have an online course and they're like, I want a workbook to go with it. It's like, okay, I don't need to be managing this for the rest of my life with your royalties and stuff. I'm like, I'm going to set it up for you. Um, I'm going to show you what you need to do to maintain this, to to get your monthly reports and things like that. Um, And so you understand where everything is at a basic level. So if you need to update it, et cetera, you can do that. So that's part of what I offer. Um, You know, I take care of the grunt work on the front end, um, but then I set it up so them or somebody on their team can kind of manage the, the accounting. So they retain all the rights to their work. They retain full, full creative control if they decide they want to change the cover or change um, some information on the interior um, at some point. So that's, that's been really nice and fulfilling is that like they own it. Nobody else is taking a cut from it ever again. Like it's just, it's all them. Um, so that's, that's been rewarding as well. I do sometimes still get the panic email of like, I think I might've just deleted the book. And I'm like, no, you didn't. It's very hard <laughs> to delete. Like you're fine. I'm like, okay, I found it. And I'm like, you're good. So, I'd love to hear about your decision to be an independent, like you're self-publishing, right? Your books. Mm -hmm. Like what brought you to that decision to be an independent author? Yeah. So that was an interesting journey. You know, for so long, I really thought, again, I needed this official stamp of approval. I needed to be traditionally published. Um, And so I had been living in Florida for several years. I didn't really know any other authors or aspiring authors. I hadn't found the, the web of online communities of people. Um, and so I saw that there was a local author giving um, a talk at our library. And I said, like, that's so great. Um, I'm going to go. We're going to become best friends, clearly. And, you know, I'll just be able to talk about books, which is so weird for me because I'm very introverted. So why I had this expectation, I don't know. Um, but I went and listened to her talk and it was head. great. 
yeah, I was just like, this is gonna, this is it. This is how I'm going to be another author and it's going to be awesome and we can be writing buddies. Um, and so I went, I listened to her talk and it was great. And I, I went up to her afterwards and she was just like, oh, you're like, what, like 23? What could you possibly have to say? And I was just like, what? Wow. <laughs> I was just like, did you just say that out loud? Um, so I was, yeah. And so what's interesting is, you know, so much, you know, talking about Stephen King and his book on writing, he talks a lot about how he pitched, you know, agents and traditional publishing houses and every no he got was like a badge of honor, right? Like every author hears no from agents sure. and traditional publishers. And I was getting those and I was like, cool, I'm just like Stephen King. Like I'm doing the thing. Like you have to hear no so many times before somebody says yes. And yeah. But hearing from like another author directly that like they just didn't want anything to do with me. I was like, what? Like, I don't want to be in this world. And so mm. I, I definitely took a step back from even writing. And my husband very quickly noticed. He's like, what are you doing? You haven't been working on your book. Like what's going on? And, you know, he was like, well, maybe you could self-publish. And I was just like, you don't understand. Like you can't do that. <laughs> and he was like, okay, well, why don't you do some research and prove me wrong? Um, and so I was like, I'll show you. It's, it's so expensive. And, and when I had first, very first looked at this back when I was in college, it was, it was very expensive. I would have had to do like a huge order of books to fill up a garage, you know, sell them door to door. There was no pathway. Um, but at that time that he had, you know, issued that challenge to me years later, you know, Amazon, was allowing for direct publishing on their platform. There was print on demand. I wouldn't have to have this huge inventory. Um, it was going to be much more realistic and affordable to get that distribution. And I was like, oh, I, I could do this. Um, and so I kind of took that as a challenge of like, okay, like I want to see if I can figure this out and, and, and do this and, and have learned the ins and outs. And so over the past five years, since that first book that I, I published has come out, um, the, the landscape has changed a lot and I'm very grateful that I got in earlier. So as it's changed, I've been able to adapt, but that was, um, the big driving force was this one, this one event, this one conversation, um, that kind of pushed me to be like, you know what, traditional publishing just seems like another bunch of gatekeepers who, who just arbitrarily decide yes or no. And like, yeah. who's to say that they're right? And um, who's to say I couldn't try this for myself? So I, I'm glad that my husband encouraged me to do that. So he was right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious, is your husband a creative as well? Not at all. No. <laughs> um, no, he's he's a big numbers guy. He's a, he's a big outdoors guy. I think I think sometimes he sees like my creative passion. He's like, I wish I had that. I'm like, you are so passionate about all these other things that you like to do. Like, it's okay that it's not a creative passion. Um, so he's uh, he's he's much more numbers focused. Sports, outdoor hiking. Like, if he could just go hike a mountain right now, he would just be on on cloud nine, just like out in nature away from computers like that that's his passion that's his that's his jam cool you also mm -hmm. mentioned an online community of writers this whole world i'd be curious if anyone was listening and thinking like where is that world i want to know more about that world like what are some resources of you know communities that people could start to get involved in yeah so i um i've joined several facebook groups um, so one is for author tubers. So people like me who have a YouTube channel about all the ins and outs of being an author. Um, and so I find that's a very like sub niche, right? Like that's like you're an author and you have a YouTube channel and your YouTube channel is specifically about being an author. Um, so that's like a really nice welcoming group. Um, I'm also part of a, of a group that's for Ingram Spark author community. And so it's people who are uploading their books to this one distribution um, center, but it's, you know, authors who are, again, answering each other's questions. How do I do this? I'm so nervous. Oh my gosh, my book just arrived. So I have found very like 
very small subgroups that I find better. Um, so if you're a writer and you're into sci-fi, um, maybe try to find like science fiction writers of Brussels or science fiction writers of um, Spain or, or wherever you are and just really find that smaller group. I find the big groups of just like independent authors of the world is like too big, um, you know, or something like that. Like I like to find the smaller subgroups um, that are a bit more, more practical and I can just keep up a bit with what's being posted. Some groups are just too big. So that, that's what I have found helpful for me is just these very niche little groups. So. Got it. Yeah. So this past year, tell us a little bit about some of the trials and tribulations, the ups and downs. I'd love to hear just a little bit more about it. Yeah. So with everything that's going on in 2020, it's been crazy. So I had um, an author where her book launched on March 25th. Um, which was right as like everything was shutting down. And I was like, I am so sorry. And she was like, actually, this is really good because people are like, I need something to do because I'm stuck at home. And I was like, okay. I was like, as long as you're happy. I was like, I could not have foreseen this for your launch. I'm so sorry. Um, and, you know, <laughs> I just I felt horrible. I was, you know, months, months of work. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And now it's gotta be ruined. And so thankfully, um, you know, her audience, her target was very much like, I need something to do. And, and she had good sales. So I was... All right, one down. Um, my own book sales have kind of been like, at first, like I had a launch going around the same time for my own books. And I was like, I don't feel right just like pushing by my book right now. Mm. Um, you know, people were dying and, and you know, things were very scary. And I was like, oh, I don't know if this is the right time. Um, but thankfully, just organically, because my name is out there, I have still seen strong book sales. Um, and something really interesting happened in April of 2020 as everybody was still locked down. And I was like, okay, like I, I'm just going to see what happens. Like, I'm just going to take this as it goes. Like nobody knows what's going on right now. Um, and I had within one week, I had three new clients sign with me because they were like, I finally have time to write the book that I always wanted to write. Oh, yeah. Like, okay, let's do it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's been interesting. I really thought that with everything going on, that it was just going to be the end of my business, you know, that, you know, people weren't going to be buying books because that, that's a ledger item, you know, they, they don't need this book, um, or they don't need um, somebody to help them, you know, publish their book, they're, they're just going to do it on their own. Um, financially, they're, they're not going to want to pay for that. And what I found is the opposite. People are like, I've got all this time on my hands, like, I, I want a book, I want to learn, this is the time where I need to develop new skills, because my job might not be there, or I want to get this book done, but I still have this day job, and I want to hold on to it. So can you help me? Um, so it's actually turned out to be um, a, another strong, strong year for me uh, for, for the business. Although we'll just see what continues to happen um, with everything that's going on. So hopefully the world goes back to normal, whatever normal is, um, <laughs> or I guess the rest of the world is back to normal. It's just us here in the States that we're, we're struggling. Uh, it's, so it's not super normal here in Belgium yet. It's still, oh, okay. still limited, okay. still quite limited. Okay. Face yeah. masks outside and, events mm -hmm. are socially distanced and limited to certain attendance and it's not quite yeah. there yet, but we're getting there. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. I think, I think that's been the toughest part is I, I found these great um, local in-person meetups for like creative entrepreneurs and these are photographers and, and wedding planners and, and other like creative business types. And obviously they have had a horrible year um, for, you know, if you're a wedding photographer or you plan weddings or, yeah or anything. Um, and so just not having that, that in community connection, you know, I get the online connection, um, through social media groups, but the, the in-person connection is gone and that has been a challenge, um, 
just because, you know, it's nice to just hear from people. What are they doing? And while, mm-hmm. yes, photography is not at all related to what I do, like what are some of the business things they're doing to get their name out there that I could adapt and, and just to hear from them um, in person. So I think that's that's been the toughest part is missing out on the, the personal connection, even though I'm introverted. At first I was like, I was built for this. And now I'm like, mm, I still need some human connection. <laughs> um, I get it. So I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, lockdown, quarantine, don't have to go to work, sign me up. Cool. yeah you know and then after a few months you're like going nuts you're like man i don't get to see my friends anymore this is brutal yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah it's been it's been not as bad for the business as i thought it would have been i know other people have have really just been torn apart for their business so i'm very grateful for yeah for how much i still have that's awesome super yeah. blessed for sure right yeah. yeah yeah so this has been awesome I would love to know where people can find you as uh, if, if there's anyone listening who wants to put out a book where they, how they can contact you and also where they can find your books and tell us a little bit about your style of writing, the science fiction writing. Yeah. Yeah. So my, um, my science fiction books are more science fiction adventure. Um, so the first series is much more hard science fiction. Aliens are invading things are scary. Um, if you like scary science fiction, that's for you. If you like fun, adventurous, let's go solve this mystery science fiction. Um, that's uh, my second series. So the first one was Nail Biters and Architects. Um, the second one's Infinite Infinite. Um, and then I have uh, books out on how to self-publish as well. So all of the information on the books that I have put out is at one mkwilliams.com. Um, and that's the integer one, the number one mkwilliams. Um, that's my handle on Twitter, Instagram, everywhere. One MK Williams. I used to say it's because I'm the one MK Williams. (laughs) There is another sci-fi writer named MK Williams, but he's a dude and you're going to know it's not me because he looks like a dude and I look not like a dude. Um, (laughs) So one MK Williams. And then if you're interested in writing a book and getting it out there and like, you're like, you know, this is it. I've got the manuscript done. What do I do next? Or I have this idea. Where do I go from here? Um, Check out authoryourambition.com. And again, Twitter, Instagram, everyone on social media, author your ambition. Um, and that's, I put out videos every week on my YouTube channel under author your ambition with MK Williams. Okay. Um, so that's where people can check that out and learn all those ins and outs. So, yeah. Awesome. Any final thoughts in closing words of wisdom that you'd like to share with potential writers, potential authors? Yeah, I would say just write down what your wildest dream is and you'll be surprised in five years how close you are to it. You know, um, if you, if you manifest it, if you really put the energy towards it, like that will happen. And it's scary to put your energy towards it because sometimes you feel like you maybe don't deserve it or um, Mm. it's, it's too crazy to hope for or dream for, but you can do it. It's just having the energy and the focus. It's funny that you said you deserve it because I just read a book this weekend called you deserve it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it was an incredible book. So anyone out there listening to this, uh, highly recommend this guy named Dr. Josh Wagner. Hey, you deserve it. So I like that you you touched on that because I think sometimes we don't believe that we deserve it and that limits our ability to take action. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that you said too that in five years, you'll be amazed at where you are and think about how fast five years goes by. I mean, 2020, we're in September right now. This year is mm-hmm. in a blink of an eye, basically yeah five years you can be in a completely different place and it's um very exciting to think about so absolutely yeah so mk thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom today i just really appreciate this conversation this was awesome 
Yeah, this was fun. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. All right, so thank you, everyone. If you have been listening to the first three episodes, especially on YouTube, you will see that I'm wearing the same shirt that I was wearing in the third interview, which is actually coming up because this was the second interview. But I realized that I didn't do intros or outros on either of those days. So now I got smart. And for my third interview, I did the intros and outros before and after the interview. But today I'm just recording these on the fly. So that's my truth. Hey, rocking my RBG shirt. Gotta love it. You can get this on Etsy. Uh, just search for um, <laughs> Against the Grain NYC and you can rock your own very own uh, Warhol inspired Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Supreme Court Justice number one uh, t-shirt. So yeah, anyways, a uh, little shameless plug there because yeah, um, I designed these by the way and uh, they are top-notch quality if I don't say so myself. Super proud of it. <laughs> okay, so like I said, shameless plug. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Reconnecting to the Artist Within. As always, if you want to dive deeper into this topic, we have a Facebook group. It's called Reconnecting to Our Inner Artist. And there's a whole group of us in there sharing our journeys as we start to dive deeper into connection with our creativity. So thank you again for listening. If you'd love to give us a thumbs up or a star rating and write a review, that would, you know, we would appreciate that so much. I say we, I mean I. But, you know, we as in my friends and my audience and my family, who, who knows, right? Uh, my future team. <laughs> Anyways, guys, I uh, just want to say I appreciate you listening to this episode. And I'm looking forward to bringing you more content just like this. So have a great day wherever you are. And we will talk soon. All right. Peace.